Go with me in the scripture, please, this evening to 1 Corinthians, the second chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Verse 1, Paul speaking by the Spirit of God, he said, I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom declaring unto you the testimony of God. Now, um, Paul was an educated man and apparently a good speaker. But he's telling them, that's not how I came to you. Let me say it like this. I wasn't depending on that when I ministered to you. This is very significant. Well, Paul, you weren't depending on what you knew. You weren't depending on your ability to speak, to get results. What were you depending on? Verse 2. I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. (laughs) So that's all I had on my mind. Hallelujah. That's all I was interested in. How many know that covers it all? Is that right? Verse 3. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. You know, in the flesh, we're not enough. None of us are. I don't care who you are, what your background is, how much you've studied, how much you've prayed, what kind of talents or skills you've honed and developed. When it comes to accomplishing the full plan and will of God, you're just not enough in yourself. The best you can produce on your own is just pitiful short of what it's going to take to do the full will of God. And so he said, when I came to you, I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. If you, if you get to thinking about the dawning task, he's going into the city of Corinth. This place is is infested with demons. They got temples to everything except God. And uh, there are people there that just soon kill you is to look at you. And uh, he's supposed to go there and do what? Preach the gospel, Jesus Christ and him crucified. And a bunch of people get saved. And laid the foundation of a church in the middle of this mess. If you got to thinking about how could you do that, you'd feel weak. (laughs) And you'd be afraid you couldn't do it. And you get to thinking about how you're going to accomplish it. You don't know anybody. You don't have any meetings set up. There ain't no church there. You don't know anybody that can help you get to Colosseum or, or any of these things. You don't necessarily have the money to do it. How are you going to do it? You get to thinking about it, you tremble. You get to thinking about it, you'd be tempted to fear that ain't no way. I don't see how. <laughs> I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. I think I know a little bit of what he's talking about there. (laughs) Verse 4. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. What he said, what I was counting on was not what I could do. Not what I know. Not how I could convince you through eloquent speech. I'm counting on the Spirit of God to show up and demonstrate what I'm preaching. I'm counting on the power of God. Somebody say the power of God. I'm counting on the power of God to demonstrate. Keep reading. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men but in the power of God. That they would leave 
not saying how smart Paul was and what an amazing preacher and teacher he was. That they would not leave impressed with Paul, but they would leave impressed with the power of God. That we have come in contact with the real power of God. Is that your desire? Is that our desire? That your faith would not stand in the smarts of men and something that they figured out and conveyed to you or communicated to you. Your faith's not in men, period. Your faith's in God and in the power of God. Say it out loud, that your faith should stand in the power of God. Faith in the power of God. Now, go with me, please, over to 2 Timothy 3. 2 Timothy, the third chapter. And the first verse says, he said, know this, in the last days perilous times will come. I think we're seeing some of that, don't you? And among the things he talks about, characteristic of the perilous times... He said, verse 4, people will be traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Are there a bunch of people on the planet that love a lot of things more than they love God? And verse 5, he said there would be people who have a form of godliness, but they do what? But denying the power thereof. And should you join these churches? (laughs) From such, do what? Turn away. away. Why? Because that can rub off on you and influence you and affect you. A form of godliness, like believers, like those that have faith in God and those that walk with Him. But when it comes down to it, and you talk about the power of God, they start backpedaling. I mean, if you're just talking about going to church on Sunday morning and everybody acting nice and preaching a nice message and letting us out before 12. <laughs> but if you're talking about some kind of spiritual manifestation where something happens that's supernatural. You will lose people by the thousands. With Jesus himself, some of the things that God did through him, the healings and the miracles, the religious hierarchy would leave going, we've seen weird stuff today. Strange things. Is that right? Am I quoting scripture? We have seen strange, this is weird. That's the religious, supposed to be the religious experts of the day. Do you think they'd say anything different today? And some of the things that the Lord did through him, where power was manifested, different ones would go back and say, that's the devil. That's Beelzebub. And then what do you think they did? They went straight to their synagogue and warned all their people, don't you dare go to his meetings. Why? There's spooky stuff going on over there. What are they calling manifestations of the devil and strange, weird stuff? They're referring to the power of God. But people are so used to deadness (laughs) until you see a real manifestation of miracle power. And I guarantee you, a substantial enough manifestation, you'll hear through the whole crowd. (gasps) (gasps) People will catch their breath and go, what was that? What was that? You need to smile and go, welcome to the power of God. (laughs) How many would like to have some more power of God? What if it raises questions? What if some folks think it's strange? What if some folks accuse it of being of the devil? Well, you're going to have to make up your mind. What you going to do? Who you going to go with? 
Somebody say, I'm going with him. I'm going with him. I'm going with him. We do not want to be of the type who have a form of godliness, but deny what? What do they deny? Not morality, not good works. What are they going to deny? The power. The power. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I remember uh, Sister Catherine Coleman, one of her meetings, a huge place was filled. I, I wasn't there. I'm saying I remember somebody shared this with me. And there was a, a man in the back, way up high in the back balcony, who didn't want to be there. His wife kind of coerced him into being there. And so while Miss Coleman was preaching, as she would get to ministering, the gifts of the Spirit began to manifest. And miracles would begin to manifest. Healings, miracles. And she'd call them out and say things. Well, this man began to heckle out loud. He'd begin to say things and mock. And his wife is poking him and telling him to hush. <laughs> he obviously, he don't believe in God. He, he, he thinks this is a bunch of junk. He thinks she's some kind of, of a, a trickster and a charlatan. And there are those around. But there's also the real. Always has been. Always will be. And you got a Bible. And you got the Holy Spirit. And if you'll pay attention. You'll know which ones are and which ones are not. And so he's. You know through several minutes. He's heckling. And and saying crude remarks. and, And mocking as she's. You know she was real flamboyant. And uh. Then he got quiet. Didn't say anything. Then all it was from the back he's saying. It's going all over me. It's going all over me. It's going. His wife. His wife looked at me. Started to poke him again. She, then she realized. No. Leave him alone now. He said. What is it? It's going all over me. It's that power she's talking about. It's going all over me. Hallelujah. <laughs> Even a mocker and a scoffer like him came into contact with the real power of God. Hallelujah. And I think he got saved that night. I think he answered the altar call. I know it was high time to repent. Go with me to the book of uh, Hebrews. Say it out loud, Lord, help us to not deny your power. In any degree. In Hebrews 6, I want you to just notice this this verse and thought here, verse 5. He talks about people who have been enlightened, who've tasted the heavenly gift to receive Jesus. And he goes on to talk about and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come. And it's talking about some of the things we won't go into right now. But this is things that are happening right now. People get enlightened to their need of salvation here and now. People receive Jesus here and now. People receive the Holy Spirit here and now. People taste of the Word of God here and now. What else can you do here and now? You can taste... Or experience the powers of the world to come. You can taste of what's coming up. Soon and very soon, we're getting out of here. And the Lord's changing all this. The heavens and earth are going to be changed and no more curse. And we're not going to operate like we did when we were in this body. And in the curse-filled earth. Jesus, uh, when his body was quickened from the grave, raised the third day, he appeared in a different form to people that knew him. And they didn't recognize him. And they were locked. You remember the doors were locked? And he comes right inside without use of a door. And then he says, touch me, handle me. A spirit doesn't have flesh and bone. You could touch him just like you can touch your own arm. And yet, he's operating in some powers 
that's different from this world. Is that right? Well, we're getting glimpses of the powers of the world to come. And when you see things like him walking on the water, when you see things, some of these miracles that happened in the book of Acts and other places, these are manifestations of things that are, we'd say, miraculous. They're beyond the normal laws that govern physics in this realm and the normal procedures of things, how long it takes things to happen and what it takes for something to happen. Somebody say tasting. Tasting. Of the powers of the world world. to come. come. Hallelujah. Now don't you look at the verse again. Put the verse back up there. If I just cut that verse in half, hardly anybody would have issue with it. How many would confess, I have tasted of the good word of God? How many would confess? See, you don't think twice about that. You expect that. How many think our faith expecting the rest of the verse could come up from where it is? We don't want to just be heady and intellectual and all we do is talk about knowledge and more knowledge and understanding and more understanding and wisdom and more wisdom. And all we want to do is go to service and take some more notes. We're always going to need teaching. We're always, always going to need preaching. But we must not just be heady and intellectual and only open to tasting of the good word of God. We also need to be hungry. I said hungry to taste of the powers of the world to come. Now we're not talking about Harry Potter. That's a bunch of junk. And it's not a matter of you developing powers that you can focus and conjure when you will. Mm -mm, It's not how it works. We're talking about the gifts and manifestations of the Spirit that happen as He wills. But they're real. And they're amazing. And one reason they're called signs and wonders, they'll make you wonder. (laughs) You'll look at it, you'll hear it, and you'll go, whoo. How did that happen? What happened? (laughs) Hallelujah. Would you like to taste more? The Bible said taste and see that the Lord is good. Well, his word is good. We know this. How many would confess his power is good too? His power is good. We don't want to be a bunch. That has a form of godliness, but don't care about the power and denies the power. We want to have what Jesus had as he walked the earth. We want to have what the church had in the beginning days of the church in the book of Acts, right? Did they taste of some powers of the world to come? We read about a man who's under the anointing and preaching. And the next thing you know, he's in another city miles away. And he, he faster than you could get there in any airplane. Bible said he was translated. Now how's that work? Anybody like to find out? You think? Oh, you think you do? <laughs> you might be tempted to be a little scared. Oh yeah, you got flesh. We just got through reading in First Corinthians. It's going to be a surprise to you, flesh. And that's the same Holy Spirit you've known since you were born again. But I don't know about you. I haven't done any translating yet. I couldn't say I'm used to it. I don't know how it works. But I suspect you begin to feel some kind of a pull. Hallelujah. And all at once, you're not here. You're there. That's powers of the world to come. Hallelujah. We see resurrection power. Raising people from the dead. We see healing power. People lifelong. 
born with birth defects and in their legs and their body and their ears and every other part. And we see just like that, just like that, healed. We see Peter walking by people and his shadow come across them and they just get healed, stand up and walk away. Now what men have done is they have focused on men and attributed these powers to Jesus because he's the son of God. But don't you try that at home because you ain't the son of God. And are you, who are you kidding? And he did handpick a few and gave them some power. But when the last apostle died, all that ceased. You know what that person is? They're one who denies the power of God. They're trying to explain away why we should not even expect any manifestations in our time. I don't go for it. I don't believe it. I believe we are a part of the very same church as the book of Acts. Got the same Holy Spirit, same name of Jesus. Hallelujah. You believe it, don't you? Well, then we ought to have the same kind of manifestations. Go with me to John 14, please. John 14. Acts 10.38, put that up for us. You go to John 14. We'll move a little quicker this way. In Acts 10.38, it says how God did what? He anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost. Ghost is an old English word. It means spirit. The Holy Spirit. And he didn't have to say this other part. What does he say? And with power. With power. Why was, did Jesus operate in this power? A lot of people would say, well, because he's God. That's not true. That's just not true. He is God. God manifested in the flesh. But how many understand God does not need to be anointed? He is the anointer. <laughs> Somebody's get, getting ready to get upset right then. Until the Lord said that. Until you can explain that, you better hold off on getting upset. Yes, Jesus is God. God manifested in the flesh, was before, during, and after. But the Bible tells us in Philippians and other places, He laid aside His mighty weight and power and glory and became like other men. If He really became like another man, then he doesn't, he's not operating in the omnipotence of God and in the omniscience of God. And if he's operating like another man, then you could understand he needs to be anointed for things to happen if he's really operating as a man. And he was. And we have no record of any miraculous things happening when Jesus was a child or a teenager or in his 20s. And if you read some kind of apocryphal, extra-biblical writings that say that, then it's not true. Because the scripture tells us that the first miracle, the Bible says it first, was the turning of water into wine at the wedding feast of Canaan. And that was after Jesus was baptized in the river. And when he came up, the Holy Spirit came down on him, hallelujah, in a bodily shape and form as a dove. And he came out in the power of the Spirit. And that's when we begin to see manifestations. Deliverances, healings, miracles. How many know speaking to the wind and the waves and, and speaking to the fig tree and, and, and walking on the water and these kind of things? What, what are you seeing? We're seeing manifestations. That's not how people operate down here right now. So what are we seeing? We're, we're getting a glimpse of the powers of the world to come. But it didn't stop with Jesus. We continue to see things happening in the book of Acts because it's the same Holy Spirit. And he's still anointing people. I said he's still anointing people. I said he's still, still anointing people, men and women. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. Both of those words, that name, you read the scripture sometimes it says, 
Jesus Christ. Sometimes it says Christ Jesus. Sometimes it doesn't say Jesus. It just says Christ. Sometimes it doesn't say Christ. It just says Jesus. It's because different things are being emphasized. Here, Jesus of Nazareth, his deity is not being emphasized. Jesus was his name. Nazareth is where he's from. That's like saying Bob from Branson. That's right. He was not emphasizing his deity. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power. And he went about doing what? Doing good. What's this anointing for? Oh, the anointing removes the burden and destroys the yoke. And that's good, good, good. Yokes are bad. Burdens are bad. But anointing is good. And deliverance is good. And healing is good. And the anointing can break any yoke. The anointing can destroy and remove any burden. Any burden. He went about doing good. And healing all that were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. Hallelujah. Now again, if he's operating as God, he wouldn't need to be anointed. He'd already be operating in the power of God. But because he's operating as a man. Jesus is not the only man to operate in the anointing. He's the example. He showed us how to do it. He's the firstborn. I said he's the firstborn of many brethren. Now you hold your place there in uh, John. Go to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 1. 2 Corinthians 1.21, Paul says this, by the Spirit of God. Now you might say, well, yeah, but now, you know, Brother Keith, Paul was no ordinary human being. He's a man, like you and me. In fact, he was not part of the original 12, and if you read his writings, he refers to that sometimes. He said, I was, uh, this is this Keith more paraphrase, I was late to the party. Anybody know what I mean by that? He said, I persecuted the church. I'm not worthy to be called an apostle. He said, but, hallelujah, I've labored, I've worked more than the rest of them, yet not I, but the grace of God. Hallelujah. Now, he said, he which establishes us with you in Christ, and what? Has anointed us. Is God, is he saying he's anointed? That God anointed him? Well, does he think he's Jesus? No, he knows he's not Jesus. And yet, God anointed him. Do we see some, did we see the dead raised in Paul's ministry? And all kinds of healings and signs. Do we see signs and wonders? Amazing things. Well, this is the same Holy Spirit. It's because of the anointing. And we're seeing manifestations of the powers of the world to come. In uh, Acts, the 19th chapter, you don't have to turn there, but just put it up on the screen, 1911. God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul. Paul is not Jesus. You may know why I'm talking about this. Paul is not Jesus. And yet, he's anointed, like Jesus was. God's doing miracles by the hands of Paul. Keep reading. So that from his body were brought to the sick handkerchiefs or aprons, and the diseases departed from them, and the evil spirits went out of them. Even though Paul himself wasn't physically present. Now the power of God must be real. I said it must be real. The power of God was manifested on Paul, on his body. There's a whole teaching here, if the Lord led us to, there's the anointing within that every born again believer has, but then there's also the anointing upon, that's the anointing for service. And that varies according to call, and it varies according to measure. It can be stronger or lesser. And there was anointing on Paul, and because of that anointing, cloths, handkerchiefs, 
aprons, cloths that contacted him became saturated with that power and acted as a sort of spiritual storage battery. And when they took it to the people that were oppressed and that cloth came in contact with them, the power of God ministered to them. Well, how'd they get healed? The power of God ministered to them. And if there was an evil spirit present, it had to go. Hallelujah. Without Paul discerning any spirits or casting any spirits out or even personally ministering to these people. Is the power of God real? But now how many church going, good church going people today, if somebody was doing that right now, they would think, oh, that's strange. You think power is in that cloth? You think power is on your body? I don't go for all that. Yeah, I know you deny the power. (laughs) Come on, say we're not going to deny the power. Now, we, we don't want to get weird and strange and off the word, but at the same time, we need to be open. Because the Spirit of God can do things we hadn't thought about. And in ways we haven't thought about. If we're believers. These signs will follow who? Those that don't want it. Are scared of it. Don't like talking about it. Think it's strange and weird. No, these signs follow those that believe. Am I talking to some believers in here? Go with me to John 14. John 14. Now you got two ditches, at least, that I'm aware of. <laughs> you got the ditch of people that deny the power. They're scared of anything to do with any of that sort of thing. And so, man, not in our church. You know, famous last words of dying churches are, we never saw it like that before. We've never done it like that before. You got to be open. You got to be flexible. Not to just anything, but to the Holy Spirit. Then a lot of folks got down that ditch and said, we're going to have the power of God. And so they went all the way across the road and ran in the ditch on the other side of the road. If the Spirit wasn't moving, they'd move anyhow. And if anybody tried to give them some guidance or leadership, they'd say, oh, don't quench me. Don't quench the Spirit. Well, some spirits need to be quenched. The Bible said, try the spirits. Not everything trying to move and do is the Holy Spirit. And that's why a lot of people have gotten scared and go, oh, I don't want all that. Could be something wrong. Yeah, but you get too tight and clamp everything down completely. You're not going to have anything moving. We want to be in the rightly divided truth, don't we, of the Word of God. Rightly divided. He said, John 14, 10, Jesus said this. He said, believe not that I'm in the Father and the Father in me. The words I speak to you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwells in me, he does the works. Did you know Jesus never took credit for one healing or one miracle or one message? Not a one. Everything supernatural, every healing and miracle that happened, he said, the Father, the Father, the Father in me, he did it. He said, I can of my own self do nothing. Am I quoting scripture saints? He said, I, I, I can't do it. Now, you know, a lot of people act like Jesus didn't even say that. Did Jesus say he couldn't do it? I said, did Jesus say he couldn't do it of himself? John 5, 30. I can of my own self do nothing. That's just one of a number that say the same thing. But he said, the Father in me, he does it. Verse 11, believe me that I'm in the Father and the Father in me, or believe me for the very work's sake. Verily, verily, I say to you, he that believes on me, do you believe on him? Come on, do you believe on him? Jesus said, he that believes on me, the works I do, shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do. What kind of works? What kind of works? What kind of works? Is he talking about manifestations of the power of God? Manifestations of the Spirit of God? The anointing of God? Powers of the world to come? Did he intend that he be the only one? No. He said it very plainly. If you believe on me, 
Well, how many people would that include? The works I do, he'll do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go to my Father. Keep reading. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do. He's talking about doing the works. Doing the works. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. Some of this would have to do, he said, in my name. In my, he said it again, verse 14. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now you need to find the correlation of this in the book of Acts. Because there will have to be examples of this there. And you'll see this word ask sometimes can be translated decree. And you'll see people saying things in the name of Jesus. Won't you? In the name of Jesus, this. In the name of Jesus, rise and walk. In the name of Jesus, this. And what's happened? Jesus did it when they said it. And the power was manifested. If you ask anything, if you declare anything, decree anything in my name, he said, that's how you're doing the works. Somebody say glory to God. Do you have faith in the power of God? Do you believe in the power of God? Oh, somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. God. 2 Corinthians 4. Go there, please. 2 Corinthians 4. He said, in uh, verse 6, well, verse 5, we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. Now, you've heard this already, and you'll see it repeated. One of the signs that somebody's wrong is they keep talking about their self more than they do him. And drawing attention to themselves more than him. You have to believe, if you're going to be ministered to, by a minister, you need to believe they're called, you need to believe they're anointed, but you also need to know they can't heal you, they can't save you, is that right? They can't deliver you, they're just a vessel. I said they're just a vessel, but God could minister something wonderful to you through them, through the vessel. Keep reading. We don't preach ourselves, he said. But Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves your servants. For Jesus' sake. Keep going. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts. To give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. How many know it's all about him? It's all about him. He's everything. It's all about him. But he said we, talking about himself and others and us, we have this treasure In earthen vessels. That the excellency of what? Of what? Of what? Of the power. May be of God. And not of us. Oh, we have a treasure. In earthen vessels. Let me read this to you from some other translations. The complete Jewish translation says, We have this treasure in clay jars. So that it'll be evident that such overwhelming power comes from God and not from us. Somebody say overwhelming power. The NIV says we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all surpassing power is from God and not from us. The amazing power, exceeding greatness of power. The Weiss translation says... We have this treasure in earthenware containers. Kind of reminds you of Tupperware, don't it? <laughs> earthenware containers. In order that the super excellence of the power might be from God as a source and not from us. Hallelujah. Do we still believe that the power of God is real? That his power manifests. That he manifests in us. And on us. And through us. 
But any and every time you experience the power of God, I don't care how much a man or woman was involved or instrumental in it, they were not the source of the power. I said they were not the source of the power. Not the source of the power. God is the source. And we are earthware. (laughs) But we can have something amazing. Oh, somebody help me with this. We can have something amazing in these clay pots. Manifested in these clay pots and through these clay pots. Somebody say, glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Paul was referring to him not depending on his own knowledge and abilities to speak to get the job done. He was depending on the anointing. The anointing is what teaches, what enlightens, what delivers, liberates, heals. Can you say amen? Amen. The anointing does. And we must differentiate between the man and the anointing, or the power and the anointing. This has not been clear enough to most. And like I said, it seems like folks have gotten in one ditch or the other. If you don't have faith in the anointing, in the power, you're not going to see manifestations of it. If God wants to use somebody, but you don't believe in it, and you don't believe that they're anointed, you're not going to benefit from it, even though it could be real. How many think we need some understanding about this? We need to distinguish and discern. In uh, Luke 4, go there please. Luke the fourth chapter. Oh, bless the Lord, O oh, my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O oh, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. He forgives all my iniquities. He heals. He heals all, all my diseases. Oh, somebody say glory to God. He renews my youth and my strength. Hallelujah. (laughs) He fills my mouth with good things, good things. Somebody say good things, good things, good things, good things. Good things. In uh, Luke, the fourth chapter, we see Jesus, after the Spirit of God came on him, as is recorded in the third chapter, just a few verses before. And, uh, well, let's read it. We're right here. Luke 3.21. When all the people were baptized, it came to pass, Jesus also being baptized and praying, the heaven was opened. And the Holy Spirit descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, You are my beloved son, in you I am well pleased. And chapter 4 and verse 1, Jesus being full of the Holy Spirit, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And it describes the temptations that he encountered. Now, let me ask you a question. Why was he bombarded with this intense temptation for 40 days and nights right now instead of when he was 15 or 10 or 23? Why now? What happened now that had not happened before now? The Spirit of God just came on him. Oh, is everybody awake? The Spirit of God came on him. And all this, the Bible said how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. All this, all this power just came on him. What does Holy Spirit power do? It destroys yokes. Whose yokes? The work of the enemy. It removes burden. Whose burdens? So the enemy is greatly concerned. 
He sees all this anointing and all this power. And if somebody mixes faith with it, it's just going to break yokes everywhere and remove burdens all over the place. So he bombards Jesus 40 days and 40 nights. He tried everything that had ever worked on human beings all the way back to Adam. Tempting him. Why? What would happen if he could get into sin? Well, he wouldn't be our spotless, sinless sacrifice. The big thing. But also, if he can do something to undermine your faith and get you in condemnation, if you got no boldness, no confidence, no matter how much anointing and power is there, there won't be any manifestation of it. Faith is the fuse that sets off the power. How many explosives have to have an igniter? They have to have a charge that will release the power. Well, the anointing has an igniter, has a release. It's faith. I said it's faith. It's like, you know, when you took science or whatever it was and you did your experiments and you, they, they showed you this chemical and this chemical. As long as you keep them separated in different beakers, they're fine, but don't mix them. Don't mix them. Why? Because if you mix them, this is going to release the power in this. Alone, no power. Together, big power. And Hebrews talks about this. It says the gospel didn't profit them because it wasn't mixed with faith in them that heard it. Mix faith with the power. And the answer will come. Mix faith with the power. And the work will be done. In a bad situation, it's a real combination. Mix them today and blow the devil away. (laughs) Now, I didn't get that right then. The Lord had given me that time passed. But it's true. I said it's true. Somebody say mix faith with the power. Mix faith with the power. Mix faith with the power. So, Jesus did not succumb to any temptation. He's my hero. How about you? He's, he's my hero. He is Lord. And uh, nothing the devil did. Didn't, didn't faith. I didn't say it was easy. He was subjected to intense temptation. But he didn't yield. And the Bible said... Verse 14, he returned in the power of the Spirit. Somebody say, power of the Spirit. To Galilee, and there went out a fame of him throughout all the regions round about. Why? What's different now? What's going on? Man, when he preaches, there's power there. When he teaches, there's power. And we have reason to believe he went to this text. Many times, perhaps every town he went to, he used this text. Verse 17, verse 16 rather, he came to Nazareth where he'd been brought up. And as his custom was, so we know he did this more than one or two times. This was his custom. He went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. He always started with the word. Everything starts with the word. And... uh, There was delivered to him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he's anointed me to do more than one thing. To preach the good news to the poor. He sent me. The spirit of God's on me anointed me. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted. He's anointed and sent me to preach. Deliverance to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And verse 20, he closed the book, gave it back to the man that kept the book, and he sat down. You know, I probably need to get me a chair too. He sat down, ministered to him from a seated position. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. Everybody was looking intently. 
Why? Why? Power was there. When he read that verse, can you imagine the anointed Messiah reading scripture? He didn't do it as God, but he was anointed with the spirit without measure. He wasn't just a prophet or a teacher. He was the body of Christ in the earth. He was apostle and prophet and evangelist and pastor and teacher. Now, none of us are all of it. You might have met somebody who thought they were all that, but (laughs) nobody is all that except him. He is all that. How many believe he is? There's some folks thought they were and weren't, but he is all that. And verse 21, he began to say to them, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. What does that mean? What's he saying? What scripture? What did he just get through reading? What did he say? The spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to deliver, to heal, to preach, to proclaim, deliverance, etc., etc. Closed the book, handed it to him. I want you to see this. He's speaking to him. He's reading scripture. He closed it. He said, now it's time for something to happen. This verse, most of you have been hearing it all your life. Spirit of the Lord's upon me. A lot of them could quote it. He said, it's happening right now, right here. The anointing is on me. The anointing is here. Now, if as some have indicated, if he's operating as God, why is he doing all this? He would just start doing things, proving and demonstrating, but he didn't. What did he do first? He went to the Word. He read the Word. He expounded on the Word first. Why? Why? Because he had to, to get results. That's where you lose a lot of people right there. Why? Because if you don't mix faith with the anointing, there'll be no manifestation of power. How do you get faith? How do you get faith? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now here on this occasion in his own hometown, it didn't go very good because they heard it. They didn't believe it. The Bible said he could there do no mighty works. said he couldn't. Which comes back again. He, you have to do this. You can't just as a man. He's operating as a man. Go and say I'm going to straighten this out for y'all. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. You can't. You can't. Even though the anointing's there. Even though the power is there. How many know the power is it, it present for people to be saved? When they hear it. And the spirit of God is there. But that don't mean they're automatically born again. Somebody's got to come mix faith with it. It's true about healing and deliverance. And every other thing. So he would. Proclaim it. And it was his custom. And you can see. Without going into all the detail. Place after place. When he would get through preaching. The Bible said the people wanted to touch him. Or wanted him to touch them. Why? Why would they want him to touch them? Why would they want to touch him or want him to touch them? Why? Because he keeps talking about this anointing, this power that's here. He said it'll heal you. It'll deliver you. It'll set you free. It'll bless you. It'll help you. And it's here right now. He's not saying I can do it because he's operating as a man. He said I can't. What's he saying? The power can do it, and the power's on me now. Oh, hallelujah. And the ones that believed and received it, miracles happen. The ones that didn't, nothing happened. You believe it? Hallelujah. Go with me to Luke, please. You're in Luke. Well, then you're, you're almost ready then. Luke 8. I tell you what, for 
Do it this way. Go to Luke 6. It's on the way. Luke 6. Somebody say, I have faith in the power of God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Luke 6, 17. He came down with them and stood in the plain, the company of his disciples, a great multitude of people, all Judea and Jerusalem, from the seacoast of Tyre and Zidon, which came to do what? They came to what? First of all, to hear him. And then what? To be healed. Why? Because you've got to hear before you can be healed. Now, if healing was just based on the power of God, you wouldn't have to hear first. But if faith is the factor that releases the power, then you've got to hear. Because that's how faith comes. Keep reading. And they that were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed... And the whole multitude did what? Sought to touch him. Why? Why? For there went virtue. That's a King James word. That's the word for power. Power went out of him and healed them all. Now we want to honor Jesus and respect Jesus. And when it comes to him being the spotless lamb of God and our sacrifice, he is in a category apart from everybody else. Nobody is like him. But when it comes to him ministering, healing and deliverance, he did it as a man. Anointed by the spirit of God. Teaching and preaching the word to people so they could have faith to believe it. And then when they believed it, it flowed. It manifested. Manifestations of the powers of the world to come. Hallelujah. People were healed. Nothing against doctors and medicine. We thank God for doctors and medicine. But these people were healed without medicine. Without surgeries. Is that right? They were healed how? How were they healed? They were healed by the power of God. Is the power of God still exist today? Is it still real? Can people be healed by the power of God? Could you be healed by the power of God? Can people be delivered by the power of God? Oh, hallelujah. Somebody say, I believe, I believe. I have faith in the power of God. He said the whole multitude sought to touch him. For there went virtue, power out of him. And what did that power do? What healed them? The power healed them. And why did it flow out of them? Why did they say, why would you want to touch him? You're not going to want to touch him unless you believe something's there. <laughs> and you believe when you touch, something's going to happen. And it did. And it did for how many of them that were touching him? How many? How many? Now, if you, if you put these passages together. You t- There's a lot of people here. At least hundreds. Sometimes thousands of people. Now surely out of a group of thousands of people you could find some it wasn't God's will to heal. No. <laughs> or some that God was teaching something. No. With it. He wasn't ready for them to be healed yet. Or no. Not a one. Somebody say healed them all. Come on, say it again. Healed them all. Say it again. Healed them all. Don't you like that word all? (laughs) Luke 8. We see a very detailed description of this power. Verse 43. A woman having an issue of blood 12 years. She had a hemorrhage. An internal bleeding. Twelve years. She had spent all her living on physicians. Neither could be healed of any. She had gone through every kind of treatment. Every kind of thing that was known. Spent all her money. So apparently she had some money. At one time. How many understand sickness is a thief? Isn't it? It's not the will of God. It's a thief. If anything is destroying your body. Robbing your money. Robbing your family of their mother, father, brother, friend. Come on, are you listening? How many know it's not God? It's the thief who steals, kills, and destroys. 
A woman having an issue of blood 12 years spent all her living on physicians. Neither could be healed of any. What does that mean? There was nowhere she could have gone. There was no doctor. There was no treatment. If she had had money, there wasn't nothing anybody could have done to help her. How many understand there are some things nobody can help you with? No man. But does that mean you can't be healed? Verse 44. She came behind him. And she did what? She did what? Wonder why she wanted to touch him. And we know she had to go to great effort. She's weak. She's been in this condition. How many know when you lose blood continually for 12 years? She's weak. And yet she finds the strength to push through the crowd. Why? If you look at Mark's account, she kept saying, if I can just touch, if I can just touch, if I can just. Why does she want to touch? Somebody said, because it's Jesus. No. They did not know he was the son of God. They did not know he was the Messiah. Most of them. Why? Because she heard him preach. Or somebody told her. And what did he say? What was his custom? The Spirit of the Lord is on me. Man, I like preaching what Jesus preached, don't you? I'm using the same verse Jesus used. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me. Oh, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me. The Spirit of the Lord is on. Does that make me the healer? No. Does that make me a miracle worker? No. It's the anointing that heals. But you can have the anointing in and on earthen vessels. Clay pots. Hallelujah. I preached me happy. Hallelujah. What'd she say? What'd she say? She said... She came behind and she did what? Touched. Somebody say touched. She touched the border of his garment. Now here we see the same kind of thing that was happening with Paul. And we know that Jesus is doing this as a man because Paul's not the Messiah. And yet the same kind of thing happened with cloth and clothes that he contacted him. Didn't say she even touched his skin or his leg. Well, why would it something happen to touch his garment? Because of what the garment was touching. Right. On the other side. <laughs> Is this power real? Yes. It's as real as electricity. It's as real as the air you breathe or the water you touch. This is the real power of God. Yes. It's the substance everything is made of. Yes. The Bible said he upholds everything by the word of his power. Power. Yes. Power. Glory. Even our scientists are telling us that everything ultimately is made out of energy. Energy. What's another word for energy? Power. Power. (laughs) We have no idea where this power comes from. We do. We do. We do. The power that governs and powers the whole universe comes from the throne of the Most High God, Creator of heaven and earth, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and my daddy too. She touched the border of his garment, and immediately her issue of blood stanched. It stopped. After 12 years and all kind of treatments and all kind of things and all kind of appointments and money and nothing anybody could do about it, just like that. She touched, power flowed, it stopped. Somebody might say, yeah, well, that was Jesus. No, it was the power on Jesus. Same power as on Paul. Same power that's still on the body of Christ today. Somebody say, I have faith. I have faith in the power of God. And Jesus said, what did he say? Now they're not having a healing meeting. They're not having a service. He's just walking. And, and if you read the rest of the passage, there's throngs of people everywhere. 
There's people touching him, brushing up against him. It's a packed crowd. He's pressing through the crowd. And some way this little woman pressed through. Didn't even ask if it was God's will to be healed. (laughs) Didn't ask Jesus, may I, can I, nothing. She just pressed through and took a healing. I think that's why when he stopped and asked who, she didn't say anything. She just backed into the crowd. She thought, "Uh uh-oh, he's going to want it back. Oh, man, I didn't even ask, didn't even ask. But it wasn't true. He just wanted to know who it was. Another indication, he's operating as a man. That's right. And when she said, it was me, he said, be happy. Go in peace. The Almighty has made you whole. No, no. I have made you whole. No, no. God in his sovereignty has seen fit to make an example out of you. No, no. Your faith has made you whole. Why say it like that? Because other people were touching him, and yet it wasn't happening. Why did it happen with her? Because she didn't touch him by accident. She didn't touch him in curiosity. She touched him in faith. And when she did, it was like throwing on the light switch. Jesus was aware of an outflow. She was aware of an inflow. And the hemorrhage is history. No more appointments necessary. Do we have the same Jesus today? The same Jesus yesterday. Today and forever the same Jesus. The same Jesus. He said somebody touched me. All of them denied it. That would include her. (laughs) But he wouldn't quit. He said somebody touched me now. Who touched me? Verse 46. Somebody touched me because why? Why is he so adamant? Why is he so adamant? He didn't say I think something happened. Did y'all notice? What did he say? Somebody touched me. Why did he say that? I perceive. I sensed it. I was aware of it when the anointing went out of me. Somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.